welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of The Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. Also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, articles, podcasts, videos, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. It's been a while, folks, but as always, it's good to do a podcast and be able to talk to you and mainly talk to you about some of the stuff that you want to hear about, which I feel like that's my favorite type of podcast is I could sit here and I can make up crap and just try to think in my mind of like, all right, well, what would people like to hear about today? But that doesn't necessarily mean it resonates with any of you. So that's where it comes into play as far as getting your feedback, your reaction, your comments, your questions, whether it's via Twitter or Facebook or however, that's why I enjoy doing it this way. So, uh, you know, we can we can play around with it. We can have fun with it once football season starts even more so. But here's the thing. I enjoy being able to look at Razorback football in general. I guess we could take this about every sport. But I like looking at it all through different angles, different perceptions, different views. Because I feel like the more and more you look at it from different perspectives, the better idea you have of what truly is going on or what truly to expect. And with the Razorback football team, I try to do just that. I try to look at it from literally every angle. I try to look at it from the most positive angle possible and the most negative angle possible. I try to look at it from the fan perspective, as well as the coach's perspective, the university perspective, and the media perspective. I try to look at it from what Arkansas sees the SEC and how the SEC sees Arkansas. I try to see it in all those types of ways. And again, it may not always resonate with you on how I look at it or how I talk about it in a particular uh, podcast, but at the end of the day, I think that at least when you cover all the bases, you also help the listener and them understanding and coming from where you're trying to come from. And so that's what I'm going to continue to do today. I'm going to look at it from the scope, folks, of Arkansas getting every break. Getting all the balls to bounce their way, if you will. And I've looked at this schedule and I've studied it. I've looked at this conference and I've studied it. I've looked at this team and I've studied it. And the conclusion that I have come to is that if Arkansas has everything go their way, where they get those lucky fumbles and turnovers towards the end of the game in the fourth quarter... They get those penalties at crucial moments that get called on the other team, and they get it to go their way. They get those freak plays where one player on the other side of the team loses their position or loses their man, and Arkansas takes advantage of it. Pretty much, you know, all the breaks that Arkansas hasn't had going for them the past few years. What if all that happens? What if everything, and I mean everything, goes Arkansas's way? What is the best they can do? Well, for me, it's eight wins. Now, I know everyone listens to that and is automatically going crazy and saying, John Neighbor said that Arkansas is going to win eight games. This is how He said it. It must be true. So get everybody ready for a big disappointment because that's where John says it's going to go. No, I don't think they're going to win eight games, folks. I'm just telling you that if everything, and I mean everything, went according to plan, that is the best case scenario for Arkansas. Because let's be honest. Arkansas is not even at the point where if they played Alabama and Alabama played their worst game of the season and Arkansas played their best game of the season, I still don't think Arkansas is going to win. Like that's, that's the difference between Arkansas and Alabama. 
might even be the same way with a team like LSU. I just feel like far and away, there's just that big of a gap between the two. And looking at some other games, too, as far as talent-wise, I think some things could at least be close, but I don't know if Arkansas is actually going to win particular games just based on talent alone. So that's how I'm looking at it. Eight wins, best-case scenario. Because I feel like there's four games on the schedule that you're not going to win. You're not going to beat Bama. I don't think you're going to beat LSU. Those are the two big ones where it's like, might as well put L's next to them. I'm not trying to be a downer. Not trying to say crazy things can happen because college football, yeah, crazy things do happen. But I just don't see either of those two games going in Arkansas's favor. I also feel like a game like Auburn will not go Arkansas's way because for whatever it is, Gus Malzahn has Arkansas's number. Arkansas has only beaten Gus Malzahn once since he's been at Auburn as the head coach. And that one time was in quadruple overtime in Fayetteville. I don't see it happening this year. That's the third one. Now, the fourth one is one that I've been struggling with because it's hard to really decide which one to go with because there's so many to choose from, and I think they're all kind of an even playing field. However, if I'm going to just look at it from the perspective of Arkansas not having a chance in it or just not having not having a, a really good matchup against this team, I guess it would have to be Texas A&M, even though I feel Arkansas will have a good game against Texas A&M this year because they do every year. It's always close because A&M hates playing in that game. Arkansas loves playing in that game. Now, I I don't feel like that's so far-fetched. I think that one's kind of on the brink. But I had to pick four losses, and those are the four I got to go with. And all the rest of them, again, this is all based purely on Arkansas getting everything to bounce their way perfectly. Keep that in mind. With all that said, that could be the best case. And could you imagine? Could you imagine if that happened? Imagine if Arkansas won eight games in year two under Chad Morris. Man, I don't know about all that, bro. I don't know how good I'd feel about that. Uh, I don't know. Did Chad Morris need a raise? Does he get to that point? Is eight and four, four and four in SEC play? I mean, what kind of bowl games does that get you to? Does that get you to the maybe the Citrus Bowl? Eh, probably not. Maybe not that good. But maybe Nashville? Music City Bowl? I'd take that. We'd all take that. Absolutely. 100% would take that. I don't think it's going to happen, though. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. But I wanted to lay it out from the angle because I know a lot of you were asking about the best case scenario. Here's the angle. Everything goes according to plan for Arkansas. They win eight games. But we all know it's Arkansas. And nothing, and I mean nothing, ever goes according to plan when you're an Arkansas Razorback fan. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on into the next segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You know, it's football season. Fall camp's just this week. I mean, that's what's crazy. Like, this week, fall camp is starting up. Um, I don't know whether the crap or go blind, so I'll close when I fart, as my dad used to say. I'm really excited, but I'm really nervous about it. I'm really pumped up that we get to see, at least from players' perspectives, you get to interview them. Media Day is this Saturday, uh, which I'm looking forward to. And talking with some of these players, uh, there's some things to be happy and intrigued about. But we also know what it could be and what it could become if Arkansas doesn't really improve quickly. 
uh, this upcoming season. So with all that excitement comes the skepticism. And when we were able to catch up with some of the assistant coaches earlier this week at the Bob Holt Cup, as I like to call it, it's the actually the uh, coaches and media golf scramble at Paradise Valley in Fayetteville. I shot pretty well. We won't get into that. But um, we talked to some of those assistant coaches. And the one assistant coach that I really wanted to talk to was the offensive line coach in Dustin Fry. Nothing against John Chavis or Joe Craddock or any of those guys, those, those coordinators. But, you know, we kind of, at least I feel like I've talked to those guys enough at this point to know exactly what to expect out of them and what they, they expect out of their team. And they'll just give the meditated, premeditated coaches answers to everything. But Dustin Fry is in a precarious situation where he had to take over a team where he's a fairly new coach, just in, in the grand scheme of things. He's not a veteran experienced coach. He's a fairly new coach. He had to take over a situation which no matter who was in position, wouldn't have been able to make something out of that mess at offensive line last year. I think even Sam Pittman, who's the best offensive line coach in the country, couldn't have come in to that situation and made it acceptable in year one. I I just don't think that's the case. I'm not saying Dustin Fry is the greatest coach of all time and he's going to be great. I'm just saying it was a lose-lose for everybody involved, no matter who it was going to be. So when I was able to talk with him yesterday, though, and he gave the breakdown of who he thought was going to be starting on the offensive line for Arkansas, he gave the five. You know, he said Ty Cleary at center, you know, Shane Clinton, Dalton Wagner, Colton Jackson, guys of that nature that you've heard their names, doesn't have a lot of, they don't have necessarily a lot of experience, but he threw him out there and said, those are the guys. We're confident and comfortable with it. And that was the vibe that I got from him, as crazy as it sounds, that he seemed extremely comfortable and confident with the squad that he had put together on the starting five. Uh, okay. <laughs> I guess the one thing that I am curious about more than anything, and I know no one else really may look at it this way, but it just shows how weird I am. If this offensive line is more athletic, for instance, if they have more speed, if they understand the offense, if they can get out and block and just stand in people's way quicker, if that makes sense. like they, This is not an offense that's built on having to hold blocks for a long time. It's mainly just quick things and then move on. If this offensive line can just do that and be that, I think that it's going to be dramatically better from what it was last year. It's not full of five stars. I don't see any clear-cut NFL talent on this offensive line, no. But it can be better than what it was last year. And by talking with Dustin Fry, I think it will be better than what it was last year. He certainly thinks so, so why shouldn't I? And if it is, if that offensive line is better this year than it was last year, folks, that offense is probably going to be pretty fun to watch, as long as everyone stays healthy. You're better at quarterback. You're better at wide receiver. You're better at tight end. You're going to be better running back because you return everybody, and running back's pretty solid. And if you're better at offensive line, yeah, that offense is going to be pretty fun to watch. But it's easy to say that, hey, if you're better, at least on paper at everything, you should be better in general. True. You have to execute it. But if they execute it, may see some excitement and some fireworks from Chad Morris and his offense this upcoming season. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 
All right, final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. This is, again, kind of safe for the nonsensical part of the podcast. But I got to give it up to the Razorback football team and some of the great scheduling that they've done for the future. All right? Uh, I feel like in their non-conference, they've done a pretty good job of that. I like some of the opponents. Obviously, Notre Dame's been great and and Texas – no, it's not – Oklahoma State. I almost said Texas Tech. Oklahoma State's on the schedule. BYU still got that game against Texas. Pretty solid. Well, they added another game for the future schedule, and it is Utah. That's right. The Utah Utes. Arkansas will travel to Salt Lake City in 2026, and then Utah will make the return trip to Fayetteville in 2028. I think that's really good. Now, the schedule and all that, it's fine. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and break down the Utes because it's, let's be honest, seven years from now when you'll probably play them, assuming that they don't back out or any crazy cancellations or anything. But either way, it's not that that necessarily sparked my interest. It's the fact that the University of Arkansas, and they put out their graphic for it, had uh, it was, in, of course, Salt Lake City, UT, for Utah for short. And then it said Fayetteville AE, not AR. Now, I realize this is just a typo. It wasn't on purpose, and I get that. And I feel bad for whichever graphic intern had to deal with that. Um, but it goes to a bigger point of how it does bother me, and I know it bothers a lot of you, and how so many people across the country think Arkansas abbreviation is AK. That's the one I've seen more often than not. Folks, I don't know what education people had in public school or in private school, college, whatever. I'm not the brightest kid when it came to studying in school and school knowledge and all of that. I, I fully admit that. But I feel like, I don't know, maybe it was my teacher, but I feel like I got a really great education on the abbreviations of states. Because for the most part, I actually sat down today when I was thinking about it. I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down and off the top of my head, see which ones I feel are correct, and then we'll see how many I get right. And I missed all but one, honestly. And the one, I'm, and the one I missed, I'm kind of embarrassed about, but um, it's, it's Vermont. Uh, we won't get into that. But my point is, is that I got 49 out of 50 right. And that's me off the top of my head. So when there's people across the country who do this for a living – and post things for a living and all that, you're telling me that they can't get something as simple as an abbreviation of a state, and especially Arkansas. That one should not be hard. Should not be hard. Start spelling Arkansas. Okay, A-R. Okay, stop. Wow. Incredible. It's not A-K. That's Alaska. Okay? I feel like that's painfully obvious. I've even seen one time when it said AZ. I think ESPN did that. That's Arizona. There's no Z in Arkansas. Folks, it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but it means something to Arkansans because it just continues to show the blatant disrespect that the people of this great state constantly get. And I'm on board with them. So anyways, I had to point that out, show why I was beefing with it, if you will. But just remember, folks, Arkansas, abbreviation, AR. Learn it. Live it. Love it. I don't know if that's the exact saying 
That was told in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but you get the point. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at RushJohnNavers for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. Tomorrow afternoon, have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 